Kiwanis, Susquehanna, Luzerne, and Wayne counties. So uh, the primary counties of our listening area, and this also includes the cities of Binghamton, Delhi, Halstead, Hawley, Hazleton, Honesdale, Milford, Monticello, Montrose, Norwich, Antiora, Sayre, Scranton, Tawanda, I'm sorry, Walton, and Wilkesbury, and Tunkhannock also as well. So a severe thunderstorm watch in effect again until 8 p.m. tonight. It's time for Let's Talk Vets right now on Radio Catskill. Well, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Let's Talk Vets. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Our mission is to provide news, entertainment, and information of particular interest to area veterans, active service members, and their families. Glad you could join us tonight. On May 31st, we honor those service members whose loyalty to our flag, to our Constitution, to the principles upon which this country is built, and above all, to their fellow citizens, cost them their lives. But just how loyal have we as a people, and by extension as a nation, been to them? Well, hold that thought, because we're going to talk a lot about that. Each month we bring you the latest news from the Hudson Valley VA Medical System. Here now is Communications Director Cullen Lyons with the VA today. After 30 years at VA Hudson Valley, our Chief of Voluntary Services, Yvette Rodriguez-Cacho, is retiring. Although that that's pretty sad news, I'm happy to announce that our Outreach Coordinator, Nicole Embry, is going to take over her position. Nicole started at VA Hudson Valley in 2007. What, uh, what I've called her before is the most known VA Hudson Valley employee. Nicole, before the pandemic, was always out in the community. Everyone knows her, and even inside with her coworkers. If Nicole doesn't know the answer to a question, she knows somebody here that can help a veteran or help an organization. She's really good at connecting our community organizations that are out there helping veterans with what we do here at VA Hudson Valley. So I am excited to see how Nicole's going to expand on the base that Yvette has left for her. And uh, Nicole is actually with us. So this position, I, I am so excited to be taking over, you know, to be able to, to move up within the VA and continue doing roles that are so close to your heart is always an opportunity that I, I can't see anybody wanting to not want to be a part of. So this is uh, a dream come true to, to move into this position. Uh, Yvette has always been a mentor for me as well. So I'm excited for this new chapter within my, you know, within the VA to continue in serving our community. 
creating more partnerships within our community and taking care of our volunteers and, and continuing to serve our veteran population. I know we are coming up with one of our partnerships with Rolling Thunder. So for Memorial Day, we were going to have a ride that's going to be going through uh, both Montrose and Casa Point campuses so that our uh, community living center uh, patients can, you know, get a, a little bit of some type of event that they're going to be able to, to partake in. You know, COVID has really made things a little difficult, but we want to make sure that they know that uh, we appreciate them and, and have them a part of, of events. So we're going to have a Rolling Thunder ride coming through, and I think that will be amazing for them to see. Uh, that will be Yvette's last send-off as well. We will miss her terribly, but she has an amazing program and has built it in such a beautiful way, and I hope to only add some more accents to it and continue in growing that program. Yep. So we are really excited over here. There's lots of changes coming. We, I think we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with this crazy year we've been through with the pandemic. And uh, we just want to remind all the veterans that we are here to serve them. And we also want to remind everyone that if they have served in the military or one of their loved ones have served in the military, they can always call us to apply for VA healthcare benefits at 845-831-2000, extension 215100. That's 845-831-2000, extension 215100. And how are the vaccinations going, Colin? We've slowed down a little bit but we are still offering vaccines to all veterans, regardless if you're enrolled and eligible for VA care, and we're offering them to the veterans' spouses, caregivers, and in some instances, family members as well. So we are here and, and ready to give out vaccines. We're giving out as many as possible, and we just want to keep our veterans and their families safe. Okay. Are there any changes in... Um you know, coming in for appointments and what have you, uh, it was uh, kind of a just-in-time format where you call ahead and you arrive uh, just in time for your appointment. Is that any of that changing, or will it change? We are continuing with the schedules that minimize the amount of exposure you'll have with another patient in the waiting rooms. But what we are doing is we're making a big effort to expand face-to-face -face appointments. We know that a lot of our veterans like to see their doctors in person, and we are trying to get back to as normal as we can. Okay. Well, thank you, Colin, and congratulations, Nicole. Thank you very much. Okay, so what observances and ceremonies are taking place in the area for Memorial Day this year? Well, in Orange County, the list is literally too long to read on this program. You can find full details at therecordonline.com. In Ulster County, Memorial Day candlelight ceremony will be held at the county building, 244 Fair Street in Kingston, on the 27th at 8 p.m., the guest speaker, Major General Timothy Labarge, Commander, New York Air National Guard. For more information, call the exec's office at 845-340-3800 or email exec at co.gov.
ulster.ny.us. The Sage Vets New York will observe Memorial Day on the 27th, 6 to 7.30 p.m. A panel of experts will discuss how veterans' access to benefits has changed due to COVID-19 pandemic. Registration required. Email alewis at sageusa.org. The Sergeant Andrew Brucher VFW Post will hold a small service Monday the 31st, commemorating Memorial Day and the 100th anniversary of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Services begin at 11 a.m. at the Veterans Park across the street from the Kaunionga Lake Firehouse, 3574 Route 55. Everyone is requested to please follow current social distancing guidelines. On May 29th, town of Platicill Parade at 12 noon, Mark Cazapalli, director of the Ulster County Veterans Service Agency, will be the speaker. On May 30th, there'll be a ceremony at Kingston, 1 p.m. in front of City Hall. On May 30th, the walkway over the Hudson flag ceremony, approximately 8 p.m. And on May 31st, the Hudson Valley Center for Veterans Reintegration Ride from Kingston to New Paltz to Park Tech City at 11, arrive at New Paltz Rural Cemetery about noon. In his first inaugural address, President Reagan spoke these words about the ultimate sacrifice. This is the first time in our history that this ceremony has been held, as you've been told, on this west front of the Capitol. Standing here, one faces a magnificent vista, opening up on this city's special beauty and history. At the end of this open mall are those shrines to the giants on whose shoulders we stand. Directly in front of me, the monument to a monumental man, George Washington, father of our country. A man of humility who came to greatness reluctantly. He led America out of revolutionary victory into infant nationhood. Off to one side, the stately memorial to Thomas Jefferson, the Declaration of Independence flames with his eloquence. And then beyond the reflecting pool, the dignified columns of the Lincoln Memorial. Whoever would understand in his heart the meaning of America will find it in the life of Abraham Lincoln. Beyond those moments, those monuments to heroism, is the Potomac River and on the far shore the sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker 
lies a young man, Martin Treptow, who left his job in a small-town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. Initially known as Decoration Day, Memorial Day originated in the years following the Civil War and became an official federal holiday in 1971. The Civil War, which ended in the spring of 1865, claimed almost 700,000 lives, more than any other conflict in U.S. history, and required the establishment of our country's first national cemeteries. By the late 1860s, Americans in various towns and cities had begun holding springtime tributes to those fallen heroes, decorating their graves with flowers or reciting prayers. Now it's debatable exactly where this tradition originated. Numerous different communities may have independently initiated memorial gatherings. Some records show, in fact, that one of the earliest Memorial Day commemorations was organized by a group of freed slaves in Charleston, South Carolina, less than a month after the Confederacy surrendered in 1865. Nevertheless, in 1966, the federal government declared Waterloo, New York, the official birthplace of Memorial Day. Listen now as Seneca County historian Walt Gable explains exactly how this came to be to our own Jason Dole. Hi everyone, I'm Walt Gable and I'm the Seneca County historian. We're here in Waterloo, New York, and I want to tell you about how Waterloo came to be recognized as the official birthplace of Memorial Day, as recognized by proclamation of Governor Nelson Rockefeller, then President Lyndon Johnson, and followed up by Congressional Resolution as the official birthplace of Memorial Day, those recognitions coming in 1966. And there's no small coincidence to that date because it was 100 years after the first real Memorial Day celebration took place in Waterloo, New York. A local druggist by the name of Henry C. Wells conceived of the idea that it was really vitally important that the local people take a day off from work and go to all of the cemeteries in Waterloo, place flowers and pine boughs on the graves of Civil War soldiers. We had 51 men of Waterloo die because of their service in the, mil in the Civil War. 51 men in a rather small community. And so on that day, May 5th, 1866, the first such celebration was held in Waterloo. There were red, white, and blue banners placed around town. All of the stores were closed. The people gathered. It was an extremely hot day, but they managed to go to 
every one of the cemeteries in the village and they place flowers and pine boughs on the graves of the Civil War soldiers. It was so hot and the ordeal was so great that Henry Wells himself was actually taken physically sick and probably died a few months later because of the overexertion on that particular day. You're saying that the man that spearheaded this memorial effort actually followed through with it and it may have well cost him his health and life. Yes, yes. and the next year, General John B. Murray was more actively involved. Now, he was a war hero, a local war hero, but he had also become the county clerk after the Civil War. And he knew General Logan, who was the commander of the Grand Army of the Republic, the national organization of Union veterans of the Civil War. And John Murray prevailed upon General Logan the idea that it would be appropriate for all Grand Army of the Republic chapters throughout the United States to hold similar kinds of Memorial Day celebrations. And Logan issued what became known as General Order Number 11, a commandment that starting the next year, that would have been 1868, that every GAR chapter had to have some kind of Memorial Day observance. And the two major reasons why Waterloo is recognized as the official birthplace of Memorial Day is that starting in 1866, it held annually, every year thereafter, Memorial Day observances. And secondly, there was a direct connection between General Murray of, of Waterloo and General Logan, the commander of the Grand Army of the Republic, issuing General Order Number 11 that all GAR chapters had to hold a Memorial Day observance annually starting in May of 1868. As we continue to observe this solemn day by visiting cemeteries and memorials and perhaps a parade, some people wear a red poppy in remembrance of those fallen in war. This is a tradition that started with a World War I poem. In Flanders fields the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place and in the sky the larks still bravely singing fly scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. Sadly, to many Americans, Memorial Day is just a culmination of another three-day weekend. 
a day to take advantage of the lowest prices of the year, to buy a memory foam mattress or perhaps a new car, a day to open the pool, flip burgers, drink beer, just, you know, relax and get ready for another week. But as the last echoes of the marching bands have faded down Main Street, the last hot dog has been eaten, Uncle Joe has had one too many beers, and the little ones have been tucked into bed exhausted, well, we move on to tomorrow and put Memorial Day back on the shelf until next year. Now, when we think about this day of remembrance, we must reflect on the cold numbers which represent the human lives lost. But what about those not included in these statistics? The women and men who have perished after they left the battlefield as a result of their service. Now, it may be the latent effects of exposure to Agent Orange in Vietnam or inhalation of airborne particulates produced by the burn pits in Afghanistan and Iraq. Horrific physical injuries, the insidious clutches of post-traumatic stress, substance abuse, homelessness, and sadly, suicide. If you account for all the wars and conflicts of U.S. involvement, including the Revolutionary War, more than 1,354,664 have perished in actual conflict. However, another 1,498,240 have been wounded. How many of these have perished as a result of their service? A more recent example is Vietnam. Officially, 58,220 service members lost their lives. Today, However, the number of those who ultimately died as a result of their service in that war exceeds 350,000. Our friend Larry Winters had a great idea. In his poem, The Billboard, written about Vietnam, he suggests that every town should have a billboard as you enter. On that billboard should be all the names of those who died in war, plus those who have taken their own lives. I would submit that we include all of those who died as a result of any service-related injury or condition as a constant reminder of the true cost of war. Every community in America could have a billboard as you enter the community that lists those soldiers killed in combat and a list of those soldiers and vets who have taken their own lives. This is the true cost of the bounty we all enjoy in the land of the free. Vietnam vets who have committed suicide are now far beyond the 58,000 killed in the war. Today's soldiers from Iraq and Afghanistan wars that committed suicide is five times the number killed in combat. Is the media making enough of the suicides occurring in the military and in the veteran population? And is the public able to tolerate listening? I refuse to believe folks don't care that their loved ones, friends, and community members are choosing death over living. No one institution seems to know why the numbers are so high. 
But it is all too obvious that some of what is going on is the after-effects of war, as well as soldiers' fears of a second or third deployment. It may be facing a war that started when many of today's recruits were eight or nine years old. Some soldiers may feel shame or fear for not wanting to go to war that a country supports, so instead they kill themselves. I really don't know, and I don't think anyone else does either. Do soldiers and vets who take their own lives belong on the same honor roll that the dead combat soldiers are on? I say yes. If we acknowledge the moral and psychological ramifications created by war on soldiers, the military and government must stop trying to explain these human sacrifices with confusing statistics. In the minds of suicide victims, there are a panoply of reasons, from guilt, rage, betrayal, love for those who they feel do not deserve living with their torment. For some, they may need a moral payback for lines that they feel they may have crossed. These men and women do not deserve judgment from the society that they once protected. Larry Winters ex-Marine, licensed mental health counselor. He sat in that long line of barber chairs Sergeant asked him, son, would you like to keep your hair? He said, yes, sir, as he heard those clippers buzz and hum. And the sergeant said, well, hold out your hands, because here it comes. Simplify, do or die. So gung-ho to go and pay the price Here's to leathernecks Devil dogs and jarheads Paris Island in July Simplify I sleep in my bed instead of a foxhole I've never heard my boss tell me to lock and load Ain't no bullet holes in the side of my SUV Because the kid next door just shipped out overseas Simplify Dogs and jarheads And Paris Island in July 
There's another date worthy of mention this month. May 1st is Loyalty Day. Now, unlike the celebrations of socialism and communism in some countries around the world benignly labeled as International Workers' Day, sounds noble, doesn't it? This day is for Americans to reflect on our country, to reaffirm their loyalty to the United States, and above all, to recognize the heritage of American freedom. Now, to underscore this, we often say, not as often as we should, the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, some of us can remember when comedy required real talent to tell a good story and make us laugh at ourselves, versus what seems to be the standard today, a string of expletives and dialogue with maximum shock value, often designed to hurt. Red Skelton was the quintessential comedian. He could also be extremely poignant when the occasion called for a more somber tone. Now here is Red with one of my favorite routines. It underscores the Pledge of Allegiance and what it should mean to all Americans through the eyes of a schoolchild. When I was a small boy in Vincennes, Indiana, I heard, I think, one of the most outstanding speeches I ever heard in my life. I think it compares with the Sermon on the Mount, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, and Socrates' speech to the students. We had just finished reciting the Pledge of Allegiance, and he called us all together. And he says, uh, boys and girls, I have been listening to you recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester, and it seems that it has become monotonous to you. Or could it be you do not understand the meaning of each word? If I may, I would like to recite the Pledge and give you a definition for each word. 
I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly good to give without self-pity, allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, O oh glory, a symbol of courage, and wherever she waves there is respect because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. Of the united, that means we have all come together. States, individual communities that have united into 48 great states. 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose all divided by imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common cause, and that's love of country, of America. And to the republic, a republic, a sovereign state in which power is invested into the representatives chosen by the people to govern, and the government is the people. And it's from the people to the leaders not from the leaders to the people for which it stands one nation meaning so blessed by god indivisible incapable of being divided with liberty which is freedom the right of power for one to live his own life without fears threats or any sort of retaliation and justice the principle and qualities of dealing fairly with others for all, for all. That means, boys and girls, it's as much your country as it is mine. Now let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all since i was a small boy two states have been added to our country and two words have been added to the pledge of allegiance under god wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer and that be eliminated from our schools too You're listening to Let's Talk Vets on Radio Catskill, WJFF. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg, as our Memorial Day tribute continues. Loyalty, like respect, must be earned. It's a two-way street, the assurance that you have my back and I have yours. Nowhere is this better understood than on the battlefield, where the phrase, no man left behind, is a code of conduct not merely a catchy slogan. The bond between the members of the military, veterans, and our honored dead is something that few will ever experience. There are many examples to remind us of the magnitude of the sacrifice made by those who serve. Bill Capito, 
is a familiar presence to Sullivan County veteran circles. And last year, he read a very personal letter from his uncle written in World War II. In this letter, his uncle predicts his own death. The next day, sadly, his premonition came true. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is William Capito, and I am a Master of Ceremonies for the Veterans in Sullivan County. Since we can't have veteran ceremonies with all the people around, we're going to record this because we can't forget the men and women who gave their lives for our country. And what I'm going to do tonight is read a letter from one of the county residents. This was January 12, 1944. Dear Mom, Pop, and sisters. I'm sure I can express my thoughts better by writing a Jewish letter, but time is so short and right now so very precious that speed is very essential. Now I'm going to write a lot of silly things, so take it as base value. If I come out at this alive, you will never receive it, but if instructions are carried out accordingly, it will be all over with me. I'm only taking this step so that you will all know that I went into this thing willingly and not reluctantly. I just wrote I was slightly crazy because they would be very far from the truth. I was inducted because there was a war to fight and certainly that wasn't any of my doing. I believe that I received was written in cards and nothing would change it. You can also realize that as an American I had something to fight for and because I'm Jewish I had something more to fight for. I wasn't going to let somebody else do my fighting for me. Anyway, I figure that whatever fate had to store for me, I wasn't in any position to change her plans. I write this so you would know what frame of mind I was in the day before we go out. I'm sitting at a table in a little Italian farmhouse, which is not too far from the front. I'm not only writing, but there's quite a few waiting to get a seat to write their letters. I wonder if there's anyone else who has the same plans that I have, mainly writing in the same view as myself. My morale is high. I feel that luck is with me, but anything could happen. This fighting business is only a lot of common sense and a lot of luck because I suppose luck was against me. I'm in a swell outfit, and since being here, made a number of friends that I know I can count on, and naturally vice versa. Quite a few things might happen, and my sisters. So if God's will, I will still be alive, but the chances are very slim if you are notified by the government. I want you to feel proud of the fact I made the supreme sacrifice, as they say, and you can hold your head high knowing that I never did anything that would make you ashamed of me. I want life to go on as usual as far as the family is concerned and that your husband comes home and you live happily and a normal life. I haven't any regrets. I think I know what life is. I know that it's going to be hard on Ma and Pa, but I wish, I mean, I demand that they carry on with their life and not let my death in any way deter them from enjoying a peaceful life. It's hard to explain my feelings because I'm the best of health right now and only to pray to God to be able to write happier letters than this one. I spent the day being present at the gathering of a battalion today and was thrilled to have General Mark Clark present the Congressional Medal of Honor to a lieutenant for doing combat that really deserved better than that. Four other non-commissioned officers were also given the DSC. General Trescott was there, so I feel that very seldom is such a cemetery possibly seen by a soldier. Just 
got under the wire and being assigned to this outfit. It really gave me a thrill. You probably see them in the newsreels. Tonight, I attended the Jewish services conducted by a Protestant chaplain. I was accompanied by a staff sergeant, and it relieved me a great deal. There are only 12 of us beside the chaplain, but we also took part in the services. He was a swell guy. If you think it's easy to end this letter, you're mistaken. But the end, I must say again, I'm begging you. Don't take it too hard and hold your head high. I'm going to do everything in my power to do my job and keep this letter from being delivered. But as you wouldn't know anything about it, the unforeseen didn't happen. Love, Willie. Now, this letter was written by my uncle, who was from Hurleyville, New York. And he had a premonition that the next day he was going out on a patrol with about nine other guys, and he wasn't coming back. And what happened was he and the nine other guys were out on the patrol, and there was a company behind them. And uh, he was the scout. He got up on the top of the hill, and he saw a German battalion or company coming up behind him. He got up and yelled. They heard him, and they shot him. The nine other guys were captured and taken to a prison camp. Uh, his body was never found, and uh, we've been for years. We've been searching to see if you know we could find him, but we never did. Sad, as you can imagine, because this was my uncle, who I never got to meet, and I am named after him. And I appreciate everybody who remembers all these men and women that were killed. And again, I want to thank WJFF for uh, letting me say a few words on the radio. If you're reading this, my mama's sitting there. Looks like I only got a one way ticket over here. I sure wish I. Give you one more kiss And war was just a game we played when we were kids Well, I'm laying down my gun I'm hanging up my boots I'm up here with God and we're both watching over you So In that open field out on the edge of town And oh my soul It's where my mom always prayed that it would go but If you're reading this, I'm already home Halfway around the world I won't be there to see The birth of our little girl I hope she looks like you I hope she fights like me and Stands up for the innocent And the weak I'm laying down my gun I'm hanging up my boots Till that I don't regret that I followed in his shoes. So lay 
One of the best ways to honor these patriots is not only parades and ceremonies, but to really remember why they served and what they sacrificed their lives for. Now, writer and philosopher George Santayana famously said, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But time passes and memories fade, and sadly, those who were first-hand witnesses pass as well. To make matters worse, it seems our history is being systematically and incrementally defiled in our public and private schools and universities to align more with a political agenda than the facts. Take, for example, the 1619 Project, which would totally rewrite the history of this nation and teach our young people that America is not a good place and cannot lay claim to any success because it was built on a foundation of slavery and racism and that the Revolutionary War was indeed fought primarily to preserve slavery. This PC narrative on steroids is now part of official military training, if you can believe that. Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer was just fired as the commander of the new U.S. Space Force for shining the light of transparency on this issue. With regard to the official content of military training material, Colonel Lohmeyer said, quote, It teaches that at the time the country ratified the United States Constitution, it codified white supremacy as the law of the land. If you want to disagree with that, then you start being labeled all manner of things, including racist, unquote. Okay, so riddle me this. Does that strike you as a good way to motivate folks to raise their hand to go into harm's way and protect a country which is not worth protecting? 
Have all those we remember on Memorial Day died in vain? Is it best practice to teach our military members that the value of a life is dependent upon the color of a skin or ethnicity or gender identity? Will young women and men still be willing to raise their hand and put their lives on the line for a country that does not value them? Tell me again how we, and by extension those we elect to represent us, are loyal to those who have died in service to us. Our country is not perfect by any means. But then again, no country is, and neither are we. It is the pursuance of our founding principles and our justice system which set us apart. The sum of a life's work or a nation's worth should be judged by the net gain of good accomplished, not the mistakes that were made. To allow history to be rewritten is to dishonor all those who have died to protect our freedom. If our fallen patriots had a voice, they would probably say to all of us, what the hell happened? Why are you fighting each other? Save your wrath for the enemy. Of course, they'd be speaking about national forces at war with the U.S., but today we might ask ourselves, is the real enemy among us? Remember the prophetic words of Abraham Lincoln in 1859? A house divided against itself cannot stand. I was about six years old when Nikita Khrushchev famously said, We will take America without firing a shot. We do not have to invade the U.S. We'll destroy you from within. And while it may not be the Soviet Union, there are forces hard at work to divide us for ideological and political gain. And as another Memorial Day is upon us, let's reflect on loyalty, liberty, and the true cost of freedom every day of every year. On the battlefield, there's only one enemy. Our service members fight as one unit. It matters not the color of your skin, ethnicity, or religion. An attack on one is an attack on all. And it's way past time we started acting like we're all in the same foxhole. Because you know what? We are. If we fail to come together and defend our Constitution against the forces of division and demand that our elected officials start acting at the consent of the governed and within the rule of law, we fail our country, but more importantly, we fail all those who have made the ultimate sacrifice that we might remain free. God bless our heroes, and God bless the USA. Just my children and my wife Thank my lucky stars To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men
today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston and New York to LA, there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. Today, cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men. There ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA We wish to acknowledge the following people and organizations. Bill Capito for reading his letter from his uncle in World War II. Larry Winters for the billboard, Walt Gable for his history of Waterloo, New York, and Memorial Day, Red Skelton for his dramatic reading of the Pledge of Allegiance, the U.S. Coast Guard Band, Gardens of Stone, John McCrae in Flanders Field, Lee Greenwood for his song, God Bless the USA, Tim McGraw, if you're reading this, and Trace Atkins for his song, Semper Fi. And we can't forget you. Thank you for joining us once again for Let's Talk Bets. Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so we may air them both in our normal public service announcement segments and this program. Email us at vets at wjffradio.org. You can leave us a voicemail at 845-431-6500. And don't forget, we're now available as a podcast. In days past, our flag was revered and protected. In battle, it was a constant reminder of what was at stake. If the flag bearer fell, a comrade in arms would pick up that banner of freedom and carry on. In many ways, we are today, as Lincoln said, a house divided against itself. Our country seems to be deeply wounded. So it falls to us to pick up that banner of liberty and freedom once again and to vindicate all of those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. As in the past, our Constitution and our founding principles will see us through this battle. 
Until our next formation, I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your service. Company dismissed. Good night. Welcome, Bob Dylan, number 26. In mid-July 1982, I was running a club in Greenwich Village called The Speakeasy, and we had a Bob Dylan imitators contest. On the next book plus, you're that winner, and some other people who played The Speakeasy on McDougal Street back then. Well, time ago, Crazy Jim came to me. That's the next book plus, Sunday at 4 or any time here on the Arbor. WJFF Jeffersonville and W233AH Monticello. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA, one year after her passing, we remember the life and explore the legacy of Lorena Borjas. She's known as the mother of the trans-Latina community in Queens, New York. Her ability to help people escape trafficking situations, I've never seen anyone like that before. Next time on Latino USA. Friday afternoon at 2 on Radio Catskill. Support comes from the Law Office of John Ferrara in Monticello, providing legal services in the areas of matrimonial and family law and criminal defense. John.Ferrara557 at gmail.com. Support comes from the Vintage House on Main Street, Jeffersonville. Featuring eclectic furnishings, clothing, antiques, records, and books in a charming 19th century house. VintageHouseJVille.com and on Instagram at VintageHouseJVille. You're listening to the Retro Cocktail Hour.